Welcome to Pull the Shoot, our weekly podcast where we talk to business owners, C-level executives, and experts from around the world. Our goal, to help as many businesses as possible grow to the next level. It's our hope that by interviewing these business leaders and hearing how they built their culture and their company, that you might gain insight on ways to help you be a better leader and provide a better culture for your people. Our mission is to change the top-down mentality of leadership and help others to create and implement a transformational leadership style that is uplifting, supportive, and appreciative towards your people. We believe if you grow your people, you'll grow your company. I'm your host, Jeff Cecil. You started your own business, and over the last couple of years, you've not only been able to survive a pandemic, you were able to grow your business. You're enjoying what you've built, but have you thought about your exit strategy? Exit strategy? Why do I mean an exit strategy, you might be asking. When I've done working, I'll just sell the business, right? Well, maybe you will, and maybe you won't be able to. And will it be worth what you want for it? Exit planning allows a business owner to fulfill their biggest goals and dreams and enables them to stay in control of the most important aspect of their lives, their business, their legacy, their families, and their future. A strong exit plan enables the business owner to achieve their desired objectives rather than falling short due to decisions based on assumptions. Our guest today is Lauren Greenfield. He's the CEO of Capital Concepts, a company designed to help small to medium-sized companies implement procedures to improve cash flow profitability and efficiency while reducing operating and administrative costs. Lauren is a versatile, analytical, and results-oriented CEO with 30-plus years of experience in corporate direction and management. He conceives the vision and strategy for companies in a variety of financial service niche verticals. His passion is serving small to mid-sized businesses as an advocate. For the past 20 years, Lauren focused on ensuring companies experience the growth they desire. He has assisted businesses of all sizes from mom-and-pop retailers to public companies to secure the right types of funds to grow their businesses at the best rates and terms. By getting back to basic and analytics, Lauren knows companies can reconstruct and strengthen their balance sheets through simple adjustments. A native of Montreal, Lauren holds a bachelor's degree from Massachusetts Institute of Technology and a master's degree from Stanford University. A professed rabid hockey fan, he applies to the business, the leader skills he developed as a player from three decades and a lifetime student of the game. Lauren, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me, Jeff. So, Lauren, tell us a little bit about Capital Concepts, why you started it, what types of services do you offer? Well, one of the interesting things is that I've started over 30 businesses. And, uh, you know, that, that makes me a, a serial entrepreneur for sure. <laughs> uh, but in reality, you know, uh, the statistics say that most businesses fail. And mine were no different, but it's not always due to operator error because, of course, little things like COVID and the Great Recession can disrupt the business plan. And, of course, timing is everything. So I had two startups where I was 15 years ahead of the market. Needless to say, I didn't stick around for the ultimate payday. And, of course, you can always have the wrong horses or even worse, malicious horses. So there are lots of things that can cause a business to fail, and mine were no different. 
that said, I had a, a few startups that were wildly successful, and I was able to exit at a good profit, enabling me to set up Capital Concepts 16 years ago with its intent purpose to give back to the entrepreneurial community. That's great. And so what are the few of the services? Uh, so Capital Concepts was created. You want to give back. Just describe for our listeners a few of the services that, that you offer in there. Certainly. So our, our goal is really to make sure that our clients are successful. And as I tell all of my clients, you know, I have sat where you sit. Um, yep. I've experienced just about everything that can be experienced over the lifetime of a career. And especially in all the different industry verticals that I worked in. So working with these various companies, you know, I aim to help them understand why knowledge of the finance function is so critical to their business success. Because after all, finance touches everything in a business. Yes, it does. And, you know, uh, you know what, we, what we work with businesses on is, is helping them not just conceive of a plan and implement it, but also uh, to develop proper financial habits to, uh, we work with them to set up customized dashboards for them with relevant metrics that they can use uh, pictorially because after all, let's face it, who starts up a business anyway? It's never the finance guy. That's right, you know, that's right. They are too risk averse. So it's usually somebody from marketing, sales or engineering who starts up the business. And of course they have zero finance training. Um, so it's, it's really important for them who in many cases are not just unknowledgeable about finance, they're actually intimidated by finance because most finance people speak in finance speak. They right. love the jargon, right? Unfortunately for most business owners, that means they shut down the doors. And right. so they are, only too happy to hand off the reins of the company to a quote unquote finance person, who in many cases is nothing more than a bookkeeper and often a lot less than that. Right. And, and of course, when that happens, you have very predictable results. So the goal in working with my clients is really to get them to open up, uh, to be more receptive and to learn about what drives their business from a finance perspective. Wonderful. Got it. Cool. Very cool. Yeah, it's funny. Uh, you talk about the finance side of things. I'll never forget my very first uh, company many, many years ago. And I hated to do the finance thing because I went to college and I had to take an accounting class. Absolutely hated it. Um, my dad loved that kind of stuff. So when he retired, he actually went back to school to learn how to do it properly. And then he became my bookkeeper for, for my business, which I loved. It was great. And my accountant loved him because every time I'd walk in, he'd be like, oh, I love your dad. Everything is so organized. <laughs> But you're right. You're right. That finance is one of those one of those tough things. So, well, let's talk a little bit about exit planning. So, what is an exit plan, and why do business owners need to develop an exit plan? How does that help them? The statistics say that eighty percent of the businesses that are put on the market for sale never sell. Wow. And you know, of the ones that do sell, only about fourteen percent actually achieve the level that is desired. And the biggest reason for that 
is that business owners don't plan for their exit. So exit planning is essential. Uh, and, you know, it, it's not just attaching a number of value to the business itself, because having the business ready for sale is only one aspect to planning the exit. You know, you hear of the business owner who sells his business and then revels in the fact that he gets to go on the golf course every day. Right. Well, after six months, golf becomes pretty boring, even for the pros. Right. So, yeah. so you know, the fact of the matter is, it's really important to have a mindset and a plan for what you're going to do next, because otherwise you're no longer productive. You no longer have a purpose. You know, think of it. You know, a business owner has been running his business for 25, 30, 40 years. You can't just turn it off like a light switch. You know, you have to have an idea of what you're going to do next. Otherwise, your spouse might hate you forever. Right. So um, that's one aspect of it. The second, as we just alluded to before, the business itself has to be ready. And it has to be ready for sale and it has to be attractive to other participants or other acquirers. Otherwise, it's not going to be valued appropriately. And we'll come back to, to this whole topic shortly. But the third aspect or the third leg of the stool relates to the business owner and his family's financial readiness as well. Because Let's face it. Okay, so let's take an example of a business that sells for $5 million. Okay. Does the business owner walk away with $5 million at the closing table? No, never. No, because there's taxes. There's professionals to pay off. There's other obligations. There may be some debt. So maybe the business owner walks away with $3 million. Now, that $5 million business, when it was running, the business owner might have been pulling $750,000, they have been pulling a million dollars a year out of it. Okay. Well, how is $3 million invested at four, five, even 8% per annum right. going to equivalent to uh, the million dollars that he was pulling before? It's not. No way. And so therefore, the business owner and his family must be financially ready for the transition as well. Or alternatively, you know, the sale has to be delayed long enough for the value of the business to be worth enough to accomplish that goal. Yeah. So, you know, when we work with business owners on an exit plan, it's not a one person exercise. You know, we, it's going to uh, call into play financial planners, wealth managers, accountants, attorneys, sometimes even psychology coaches. Yeah. Because all of the stars must align and everything must be ready for it to happen. Yeah, it's interesting, too, because your first point, um, about, you know, you got to be ready to retire, right? Um, mentally, you know, because you've been going, going, going. You're right. I, a friend of mine now, um, the boys are taking over his company, but he's been running it for 30 years, right? 
And so they, they had a plan for him to like be out by February. He, he can't be out because he can't shut it off. You're absolutely right. And that's one of the problems they're running into is that he needs to still be involved and he wants to be involved because he wants to have purpose and all that stuff. So I think that's a really interesting part that I, when, when we first started talking about this, I wasn't really thinking through all that side of it. I was thinking more of the financial side of it, but it is a mental side too, that you have to be ready to be able to do this. And that's really critical. Yeah, no question. And, you know, uh, so in, in this example you just cited, uh, the business owner has sold his children. Correct. Well, that only happens in maybe 30% of the cases. Oh, really? So what happens if the children don't want to come into the business? You know, the business owner may have been building the business for his children, but his children have zero interest in coming into the right. business. So, now what? you know, very often the business owner has a plan for the business, but he doesn't talk to his family about it. <laughs> you know, it, it's dropped upon them. Right. At the closing table, it's like, hey, Jamie, you're taking over the company now. Well, you know, Jamie's <laughs> off on her, her other career. So, right. um, yeah, the, there are lots of issues that come up. So we talk about um, the value of the company. We also talk about having the stars aligned because it's much more than just selling the business. Um, there's all these other people that have to be involved. When do they start, you know, if you're a business owner, when do you want to start thinking about this? I mean, you know, and a lot of times, you know, people start business and, you know, we all know the statistics, right? It's like very within five years, it's like 45% don't survive and 10 years it's, you know, down to 15% or something like that. Um, but you know, when should they really start thinking about this? And then, and then what are some of the steps that they should be taking? So very often uh, when a business owner has a bad day at the office, he says, I'm selling tomorrow. Right. You know? <laughs> and in the reality, that's probably not the best idea. Right. Um, you know, a lot of business owners uh, make the decision to sell. And of course, just because you snap your fingers and say you want to sell, it's not going to happen right away. Uh, it typically takes anywhere from you know, nine months to 12 months for a sale to actually go through uh, because there's the whole involved due diligence process, et cetera. Right. That said, in order to effectively plan for an exit and to do it properly and to try to achieve uh, the best outcome for the business owner, you should be, you should start planning at least three years ahead. Okay. That said, the best time to actually create a, an exit plan is the day that you start the business. You know, as Stephen Covey always says, plan with the end in mind, right? Right, right. So, so therefore, you know, when you start the business, that should be the day that you plan, at least have a start of a plan to end the business. Because it will help all of your uh, goal making and, and your achievement of those goals much more effective. Yeah, that makes sense. How, how do you though know when the best time from a valuation standpoint? You know, I mean, you're trying to get the most out of the company, right? So, how do you plan that? So there are a lot of different factors, of course. Sure, and. People talk about valuation as though it is a single number and a single multiple of earnings or whatever. 
But in reality, valuation occupies a range of value. There's a low end, there's a high end. And that valuation range, the business owner has zero control over. It's what is set by the marketplace based upon actual sales of businesses. And so valuation professionals, investment bankers, all contribute towards the setting of that range. However, where you fall in that range is absolutely within your control as business owner. Okay. Goes back to that concept of attractiveness and readiness that I talked about previously. We all know that fintech companies in today's day and time are very attractive businesses and are commanding very high multiples today. And yet stodgy, you know, uh, value-oriented businesses are at the low end of the scale. And that's determined by the marketplace. So a business owner has no control over what's, what's a fad industry and what's not at any point in time. But what they absolutely can control is how well they are actually performing and therefore can they achieve a high multiple. I'll give you a couple of examples. So a business owner who is essential to his business, who works 80 hours a week and performs essentially all of the sales activity for the business, well, that business is going to be downgraded significantly because once the sale happens, where's the business are? Right. He's no longer there. So somebody else has to do it who probably doesn't have as much experience, who doesn't know the ins and outs, doesn't know the customer base, doesn't know the vendor base, and can't put it together the way the former business owner did. So that's going to be downgraded. Another example is a business that on the surface is run well, but either there aren't any contracts with their customers or many of the contracts have lapsed or are and are out of date and expired. And so renewals aren't there. Well, what's to say that once the sale closes and the new business owner takes over the next day, those businesses are no longer gonna be there, those customers. So those are a couple of examples. Well, I think it's interesting, um, excuse me, that, the owner. So, so one of the things that I do with bull shooters, I always try to teach the owner to get out of their own way, right? And to try and uh, diverse some of their stuff because they can't be the end all, be all. A, it won't grow as 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 well as you want it to. But B is what you just described. When you go to sell it, um, it'll be worth much more if they are not the sole provider of everything, and everything has to go through them. So, so uh, the small business owners, if you're listening, uh, make sure that you diversify a little bit. Give some of your stuff out. Uh, to different things. But the second part is that contract piece. And I think that's important. Um, I talk to companies all the time about this. You know, they do uh, one month contracts or they, you know, or, or they, they do a year contract, but they allow their people to get out after a month. And I go, it's worth a month. It's not worth a year. So, I mean, do you find that where, where you need to kind of do longer contracts to help keep the value going? Absolutely. So, so I draw a distinction between, say, recruiting companies and staffing companies. 
So recruiting companies, it's eat what you kill, right? Right. You're, you're hiring for a position. You hired the position. Well, it's no longer available to be hired anymore. So therefore, you have to find the new customer versus a staffing company where you put a body on a project for six months or a year. Well, that's recurring revenue. Right. So the marketplace does value recurring revenue more than it values single sales. That's interesting. That's cool. Um, when you and, talk and that's, about... Sorry to interrupt, but that's, right. that's one of the reasons why software as a service companies are valued so much more these days because those are recurring. Sure, sure. Yeah, that makes that makes a ton of sense. Yeah, yeah, I love it. Um, so you're a business owner, you're trying to sell, we're planning, well, let's say three years. Because I don't think when someone starts it, they should, but they probably don't be thinking about the exit strategy at that point. Um, so you're, you're kind of three years out. What kind of things do you, what kind of questions and things do you talk with them about? You know, they come to you and they say, okay, you know, Lauren, we're, I'm, I'm thinking three years, what should we be starting to do? Where do you go with there? So um, probably the first thing that we do is we take a look at, at, at their records and, and how they're stored. Because what I found over the years is that at some point in time in a business's life cycle, they're going to be presented with an unsolicited offer to sell their business. And they're never ready for it. Right. You know, they're, they're overjoyed because they got an offer, but they have no idea what, what the value of their business really is. And they start thinking to themselves, okay, well, maybe I'll sell. Well, they scurry around like chickens with their heads cut off and try to deal with all of the due diligence requests. And invariably what happens is they take their eye off the ball. And if they proceed far enough along to where they actually get to a closing table, they're shocked, absolutely shocked when that 11th hour adjustment in price comes along right. because their, their revenues have slipped and they're no longer work, worth as much. So, you know, when we work with clients, uh, we automatically assume that a phantom offer has materialized okay. and that a due diligence effort is required. And we work with the business owner and establish a data room and start setting that up. And we start addressing all of the types of issues, some of which we already talked about, which will derail a sale. You know, we'll deal with concentration issues. We'll deal with, uh, you know, contracts being out of date. We'll, we'll deal with the fact that corporate minutes haven't been uh, taken, right. recorded, filed for the last 15 years, you know, things like that. Right. And we'll start dealing with the operational issues to make sure that the business owner can actually uh, be conversant with you know, what numbers he's actually achieving and what are the key metrics that are relevant for his industry vertical so that he can start comparing his business against the performance of others in his field. That's great. So you're, you're basically just prepping them so that by the time the sale comes up, everything is in order 
they've thought through all the stuff, hopefully no surprises. Um, and they're getting really what they're hoping that they're going to get or what they want to get. And of course, the, the mere fact that we're setting that up that way and organizing all the data makes the client seem that much more professional, organized, sure. and valuable in the marketplace. And they are accorded that type of valuation as a yeah. result. Well, that makes sense. That makes total sense. I love it. Absolutely love it. Hey, Lauren, we're running out of time here, uh, but thank you so much. I've really enjoyed learning about exit planning. Um, to our listeners out there, you know, take heed to this. You know, let's start thinking about this as, you, as you're starting to go down your, your journey, uh, where you want to exit and when you want to exit. Um, and, uh, you know, you can always reach out to Lauren. Uh, Lauren, what, what, what's the address, that the, the mailing address or the email address that they can reach out to you? The best email address to reach me at is Lauren, L-O-R-N as in Nancy, E at cap, C-A-P as in Peter, concepts, plural, USA.com. So Lauren at cap concepts, USA.com. And my, uh, the office phone number is 404-869-8559. Wonderful. Hey, Lauren, thanks so much again for, for being on the show. Um, we really uh, enjoy these uh, type of conversations. Uh, to all our listeners, uh, we hope this topic was helpful. If you have questions uh, as well, you can reach out to Lauren or reach out to me at jeff at pulltheshoot.net. Uh, until we talk again, thanks for listening. And in the meantime, stay safe and be healthy. Have a great day. Thanks for having me. Yep.